Uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Threes of Crowd podcast. I am Ray, along with my two co-hosts, Andres and Nick. Uh, episode two today, we, uh, you know, same format. We got some sports, we got some business. Today, we got a little bit of tech going on. Um, in the business topics, we're talking about a little bit of tech layoffs, some a little bit of little bit of Twitter talk with Elon, just because it has to be a little bit has to be addressed. Um, a little bit of how Facebook is the worst performing stock in the S&P 500. Yeah, unless it's face tells, unless it's face tells at all. Um, a little bit about Nancy Pelosi and her net worth with her, uh, according to her salary, not not looking like it's adding up. And uh, of course, we got to talk about the Dolphins at some point, and you know some some other championship that have occurred, some other championship teams. Uh, what are we starting off with on this? We can start off with the uh, sports, like last time. Kind of keep that same format for you guys. All right, cool. Um, I have some sad news. I did not win the Powerball. Mm. Yeah, you didn't, lose, I act- you didn't lose yet. You didn't lose yet. I didn't win. Yeah, you're right. You I haven't, haven't lost, lost yet. yet. Yeah, I haven't lost yet. I also have an exciting announcement. New setup. Huh? Upgrading for the <laughs> upgrading for the Same viewers. <laughs> upgrading for the viewers. Uh, all right, let's see. Ray, Ray hand painted those paintings behind him. That's true. Actually, actually, these are photos that I took on my own. We got uh, this is Spain, the mountains of Spain. Is, is that factual? No, yeah, I took these on my own. Oh, I do remember that Spain picture. Yeah, this is in Spain, and that's in Bologna, Italia. The uh, Spain on one, the we were at Montserrat, right? Montserrat, yes. That Montserrat. Was that is not a cheese. Uh, it's not a cheese. It sounds like one, but it's actually a beautiful landscape where uh, I took that picture along with Andres. And I was actually with Andres in that one, too. That's in Bologna. We're on top of a very tall tower that I was extremely tired after climbing. Um, Ray, is it is it true or false that you visited the nude beach while in Spain? Oh, that's true. I did. I did visit the nude beach. I mean, and the picture. Pretty and the much, picture of that you decided not to hang on the wall, correct? Well, there are no there are no pictures of that. There's no pictures. There's no, there's no evidence. Of Thank that. God. Yeah, there's no evidence. Of I would that. also yeah. like to point out that the tower Ray's referring to is 498 steep wooden steps to get to the top. No elevator. Yeah, yeah. It was it was risky. Not very handicap accessible. Um, but, uh, we did Unless it. you got a crane. And we got, and we got that picture. Yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a good pick. I need to replace these with some pictures I took this summer with my camera, but these are actually all on my iPhone, which is kind of hard to believe, but I'm just that great of a photographer. What can I say? Um, going back into sports, uh, I think that it's only fair to address that the Houston Cheaters, Astros, uh, won the World Series again. They beat the Phillies in game six. Uh, that has some implications towards historical recessions in the sense that every year that the uh, Phillies have won the World Series, 1929-1980-2008, that there has been a catastrophic recession in the United States. Although we're in a recession right now, maybe maybe this will alleviate some things. Maybe this maybe we'll start seeing some things get better a little bit. Um, but yeah, going to zero. I wasn't I wasn't following the history of it as close as you two, but. Wasn't it a depression every year that they won? Didn't we go into a full-blown depression? Well, so, 1929 so was our great depression. was the great depression, right. And then 1980 right. was just a sort of... It was a it was technical recession. Yeah. Like it, was, we just, it was kind of... Yeah, it was, it was, it was just economic instability, and it wasn't looking too great. And 
corporations were failing. Uh, we all know about 2008. Yeah. Nick's housing mortgage. crisis. Yeah. Nick's eight year old mortgage. Remember, don't Nick's, forget. Watch Nick's episode boy. one. If you want to know what that means. Nothing haunts me. Um, but yeah, shout out to Dusty Baker. You got his, you know, 73 also, years old, oldest manager also, to ever win the world series. Pretty, pretty, uh, interesting stat here. The high five was invented by Dusty Baker in 1977. This is true. The high five was invented by Dusty Baker in a baseball game in 1977. That is a hundred percent factual. Prior to that, there were no high fives. There were just mid fives. You know, it was just chess level and, fives. And it was a home I, run. It was a home run where a guy came up with his hands up in the air and Dusty Baker just went up for the high five and everybody was like, what was that? And we named Dusty, it the high five. Dusty went for the courageous move of, of touching hand to hand above the head. It had never been done before in human history. Never been done before. And you Dude, know, that, he's never looked back. That's a, that's a really like, I mean, that's a really cool story, but do you guys believe that nobody did a high five above, you know, above the head before 1977? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. No, 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 it definitely way. did happen, but it wasn't probably nope. on live television. And it wasn't we didn't, coined. The term we didn't, wasn't coined. We didn't, yeah, exactly. We didn't coin that nope. term. There were only the mid fives five. and low fives. There's only mid and low fives. Dusty Baker invented, coined, and widely distributed the high five in 1977. And we haven't looked back. Society Thank has you, never been the same since then. We've evolved into a greater a greater species since then. Thank you, Dusty. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Dusty. But yeah, Houston, do you know which number world series that is for them? I do not know, but that is the second World Series in the last six years. Um, uh, total World Series wins. That is actually their second, um, oh, according okay. to this. So they've only won two. 2017 okay. cheating year. Sadly, small stain on their organization. Um, but 2022, they were by far the best team in the playoffs. Um other than the Dodgers, but the Dodgers got knocked out pretty early. And if you're just going off, I mean, of, I, don't, I don't know, man. If you're if you're if if you're caught cheating and you win the World Series, I feel like the next year there should be some kind of postseason ban. Or the next couple of years there should be some kind of postseason ban. Otherwise, there's no incentive. There's no disincentive for teams not. There's no, you know what I mean? Like teams will just cheat anyways. Like what? They, like, they, what? they can't. They can't ban a team because it's too much money. It's too much money on the line. To ban a full blown team, so just team. The, the integrity of the game is just at will because they decide not to do anything about it. I don't know. That isn't so right with me, dude. I mean, think about, yeah, think about like performance enhancement and all that. They turn a blind eye to that because performance enhancing brings fans to the park. Well, they don't. Tatis Jr. Jr. got suspended for what was it, eighty games, something crazy like that. Oh, uh, so that's on, a, yeah, that's on an individual you, you player level. Season, yeah, yeah, you get yeah. a half season ban. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, their I mean, their their penalty sorry their penalties for the cheating were a five million dollar fine, forfeiting their first and second round picks in the 2020 and 2021 draft, which is pretty significant. No players from the punishment. No players were punished. Specifically, managers were punished. AJ Hinch, their current manager, was suspended for the entire 2020 season, and he was actually let go after that year and didn't come back. And the general manager for the Astros, Jeff Luno, Luchno, Luchno, I believe is the way you pronounce that, was suspended for the 2020 season as well. But no players specifically were um, punished, even though we know Bregman and Altuve were 
definitely the most hated on from the time that it happened till now. And they still get booed when they show up to every stadium. Rightfully so. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Cheaters, cheaters, cheaters prosper, I guess. You know, but (laughs) if they saved us from, if they saved us from an economic collapse, we'll be thankful in the long run. This could be, this could be repayment for their cheating, saving everyone from the recession, turning into depression, but only time will tell. We'll see. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Houston Shooters. Uh, moving on to the NFL realm. Weird game with the Dolphins today, man. Weird, weird, weird game. Uh, offense was playing at an extremely high level. You we were really pushing the ball well. Fins up. Fins up. All the way up. Shit, I'll do it. All right. Um, we scored 35 points. Uh, we, had one point, we had one touchdown off a block punt, which is pretty cool. You don't see that very often. Um, but I think that the obvious, you know, outcome of this game, the obvious overview of this game is that our defense is not good. Not we do good. Not have, we do not have a good defense. Absolutely like, no tackling skills whatsoever. No, I, I've never seen so many broken type. I mean, the Bears. Justin Fields looked like Justin Fields looked like Barry Sanders out there today. He looked like Michael Vick, dude, in his prime. It was pre pre dog fights. He looked like Michael Vick. Like it was it was insane, dude. Like. On third down, on third down right. and seven, third down and six, you knew he was going to run the ball for first down and that we could not do anything about it. Zero like, containment. Everyone knew it. They knew Dude. it. We knew it. There was no containing on the edge. Bradley Chubb did not do anything to what I could tell. He really didn't put that much pressure on the quarterback. He had one where he, where he touched Justin Fields and then he eluded and went for a first down. But. Dude, but I'm, in, I'm impressed that a guy that size is that can move like that. He's, he's quick. He's agile. He's even fast. Yeah, he's and extremely athletic. He's also elusive. Like he's he's so aware of his pocket space and and he's aware of who's coming from what angle. That well, several that's, times that's, today, yeah. several times he was able to to kind of like maneuver his way out and find an open lane and get a first down with no problems whatsoever. I mean that's so, that's the game he plays though, right? Like last week, last week I said that he doesn't he doesn't feel very confident in the pocket, but he uses his legs in the same amount. I said that last episode. And that was just fully on display today. Like he was using his legs an insane amount. He went, he rushed like a 60 something yard touchdown. We had no chance yeah, of getting him. That was his longest um, rushing touchdown he, of he his said career. NFL, he said, he said NFL record today for most rushing guards by quarterback. And I said yeah. that we're going to have a hard time containing a, a rushing quarterback. And that's exactly what happened. They were only in that game because of what Justin Fields did with his legs. Um, and we got bailed out by the rest. Yeah. Of the his game. stats today for anybody Exactly. Yeah, you could talk about that in a second. His stats for anybody wondering today, throwing, passing, he was 17 for 28 for 123 yards, which is not great. Um, But rushing, he rushed 15 times today for 178 yards, averaging 11.9 a carry with his long being, like we said, 61 total yards. And he threw for three touchdowns today and ran for one which is an extremely dominant performance. And I just want to say bleep Justin Fields because I was playing him in fantasy this week. <laughs> Nick and I are playing each other in fantasy this week. I'm going to lose. I'm not going to win. It's, it's not It's not a matchup. That, I was looking forward to this matchup, but I'm not going to win. You're already, you already throwing in the towel? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I got – I whatever. I, don't I, still, th- I, I still think there's a there's – a, there's a chance. I think there's a chance. There's a chance. Maybe Patrick Mahomes tears the ACL in the first quarter, and the backup throws six touchdowns to 
to Travis Kelsey, and then and then Derrick Henry does tears his ACL in the second quarter, and Justin Tucker <laughs> just doesn't play. Maybe, maybe I'll win. I don't know, dude. I could be um, unpacked. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you sound a little bit salty. A why? little bit, yeah. I'm slightly salty, yeah. Because my players why, why just don't you, play well. They just do not because play Because they raise well. blockbuster, blockbuster moves that aren't ripping like he thought they were. But well, Ray, no, my, my aside blockbuster from, aside from my blockbuster aside from the didn't fantasy work out. football, I got Tua. I got Tua. Come on, yeah. I got Tua. You guys okay. were pounding me for it. Right. Most points I've gotten from the quarterback well. all season long. Moving on. Moving he played on. well. We unpack uh, the pass the interferences got... on both ends because oh. we got oh, lucky man. on a pass interference that worked in our favor, and then right. they, oh yeah, kind of had right. So like towards a, towards the end of the game, yeah. um, in a pretty crucial moment where <laughs> we needed to drive the ball down the field, Jalen uh, Waddle was he was being defended by a guy where when he turned around and jumped for the ball, the defender kind of bumped him a little bit and to me that's not really pass interference because he was turning he was turning around making a play on the ball um but the refs thought otherwise we got bailed out tremendously in that sense we were you know we were able to set up and score i think we were able to set up and score on that yeah um and towards the end of the game you know i think there was last was play than, of the game actually there was less than a minute right so this was make or break the dolphins were up 35 32 uh, you know, the Bears trying to force OT, so they're setting up for the field goal. Justin Fields throws an absolute nuke down the field, and we have two defenders on there. We have Javon Holland and I think it was Cronin, and it was just the most blatant pass interference I've ever seen in my life. Like, it was it was really bad. I knew it was, yeah. I, like, I, I saw it. I knew it was going to get called. I held my breath looking for the referee's reaction, whatever he, he was doing. He, he held him. He held him around the waist, right? He like held around, him around there. The waist. Yeah. So, so yeah. Chase Claypool was running down the field. The defender, when the ball was thrown, the defender grabbed him around the waist, which turned him and didn't allow him to make a play on the ball. Um, so, I mean, that's just textbook class interference, and it should have definitely been called. Yeah. Got bailed out. If they, if that would have been called, they would have had. They probably would have scored on that drive. Justin Fields probably would have ran it in for his fifth touchdown of the day. Um, yeah, it so would have taken them from. It would have taken them from their forty. To our so like 10 30. No, no, no. Because they were, they, it was like 10 yards past their field goal line. Okay, so it would have so gone to like, like their 30. It was like the 25. Or our 30, I mean. Yeah. Something yeah. around there. It would have been uh, a very so, significant change. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been really bad. Um, but we got built out. But not to mention the, the very next play went right through the wickets. Went right through. Oh, yeah, that should have been so a was, too. Brown's hands. Yeah, yeah. was the second. That, the straight through St. Brown's was for on fourth play. and ten, on fourth yeah. and ten, and went straight through St. Brown's hands, uh, and we got built out again. So, Dolphins hey, on top. We'll take them. We'll take them however we can get them. Let's go. Um, that, that those two plays back to back remind me of, of baseball. When a lot of times in baseball, when an error is made on the field, more more gray clouds are coming. Usually, there's an error, and then the next at bat, the guy hits a home run or. or Something crazy. It's a double off the wall, and it seems like a lot of times when when it rains, it pours. You right. know, on Whenever the bad, on the field. Worse, you know? I feel yeah. like in professional sports, like they're so good at what they do that any little inch that you give the other team, it that'll be taken advantage of most of the time. Like if you're supposed to get somebody out and you don't, 
the next guy usually comes up and does something. If you're supposed to block somebody and you and you don't, the next play is probably going to be a big play too or something like that. Yeah, and I'm looking I'm looking forward to an episode where we could not so much reflect on pro sports but reflect on our own experiences and kind of dive into that. Uh, we, for those that know, don't know, we all played our own sports. I played football and this and Nick both played baseball at high levels. Um, and that's just like, it's been a big part of how we've uh, built ourselves up and have moved on with our lives and lived our lives. And I'm looking forward to the time that we could talk about that because I feel like we have some pretty interesting stories. Um, all right, last thing about sports, the, in the big news in the AFC East, the New York Jets beat the Buffalo Bills today. They beat the Buffalo Bills, something that I absolutely did not see coming. Like, not even I, – I thought it was going to be an absolute blowout. Um, that, the implications of that are the Jets going to first place in our division, which is weird. Wait, are they going to go in first place? No, 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 no. They're, we're all well, they're, we're all knotted up at 2-1 and one in the division. And... Well, no. Well, the, the, Buc- the Bills are 0-2 in the division now. Oh, you're right. The Bills are 0-2 in the division. So I'm not – so we're going to be tied with the Jets at 2-1, and one, but they're going to have a – a better record by one game, I think, or maybe we have the same record now. No, they they, they only have two losses. We have three. Right. They just went so, to six and two. Great. Just for six and two with two they, wins yeah. in the division, two wins and one loss in the division. We're going to be five and three with two wins and one loss in the division. So we'll see, man. I'm, we'll see what happens I'm, in the AFC East. Going to be some scary stuff when it comes to playoff time. I'm, I really hope that we be the Jets next time we can. I hope the Bills continue to do what bad because – they're better than most teams in the NFL. Hey, um, I would be a little concerned if I was Bills Mafia about Josh Allen. It seemed like a somewhat minor injury, but he was reaching for his UCL after he had a pass block that he was going to throw no. for. He was reaching for the for the outside of his elbow. Like, oh. like when I thought, get, I thought like, he was going for the rest. No, no he was, was going. He's going for this for this part of the forearm, where it, when you get like called tennis elbow when you get like tennis right, elbow which was strained. which that so, that was a that was a byproduct of a a drop back by josh Allen towards the end of the game where a defender he had the ball back cocked to throw it and the defender went and slapped it out of his out of his hand and, and, he, and he threw nothing full, he went through the full throwing motion without throwing anything dude uh, i which, could i could tell you as you know when i was uh pitching in high school my senior year in high school i got tennis elbow um, and it's like a, it's like an extreme pain in the, in the forearm up here and just picking up, like picking up my backpack, my school backpack, the thing felt like it weighed a million pounds. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a difficult injury. Like it's, you know, it's not something severe like an ACL, but it's pretty severe for a non severe injury. If you want to call it that, well, especially you have no strength, especially you have no arm strength. That, that their position relies on throwing the ball. I mean, it's a tremendous injury. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Sports-wise, I think that's it. I mean, I don't know if there are too many upsets. The Raiders were up 20-0 at halftime, and the Jags yeah, the, came back the Green Bay Packers are imploding. The Packers look terrible. Aaron Rodgers threw like three or four interceptions. Terrible, 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 terrible. Brady, um, Brady, big comeback at the end of the game there. Did he? Yeah, yeah. They were I think they had like a minute and forty seconds left and they were down nine to thirteen and they were in the red zone. They were seven yards out and he threw a dime to a um I don't know if the receiver's a rookie, but it's not your traditional starter because of course what's new? Julio Jones was on the sideline milking some other issue. And 
you could tell the guy was a little bit nervous, so he tried to do a body catch with the ball because it was a touchdown. And no, this is a I mean, anybody could have made this catch. And he he wasn't ready for the ball to be thrown just a little too high and it straight up hit him in the face. Like right in the face mask. Bounced no. off and they didn't score. And they were able to stop the Bucks. I mean the the Rams after that and then march down the field in 30 seconds and win the game with six seconds on the line with a dump off to the to the tight end. Um, so the Bucks broke a losing streak, which looked like it was going to continue to go downhill for them. So that's significant for that Bra- team. Brady, Brady on the sidelines with the coaches. He looked like he really oh, yeah. needed that. He one. looked like he needed that one. He was he hugging. The, he was hugging the offensive coordinator, hugging his head coach. It was definitely something that he really needed. Uh, he certainly needed it with all the things that's going on in his life right now. He needed a little, a little victory. <laughs> Yeah, victory. Oh, he needed some type of win. He needed some type of win. Yeah. Um, did Lenny play well? No, no. <laughs> Dude, the, they just he he scored ten fantasy points. I think he only had ten or twelve rush attempts. The majority of his points came from I think around forty receiving yards. Um, but the the Bucks are playing behind in every single game for the last yeah. four weeks. So like they they can't yeah. run the football. Yeah, not usually not a good good mixture of to run the football there. No, no. Uh, I saw the Colts got blown out by the Pats. Yeah, not good. I saw Atlanta was being competitive with the Chargers. Cordell Patterson back, baby. Cordell Two Patterson. touchdowns in his first day back since Week Four. Um, he but, absolutely demolished a linebacker at the goal line. It was one of the most yeah. disgusting hits I've ever seen in my life. They look good. Um, definitely a lot better than people thought. Marcus Mariota just kind of playing somewhat average, but they run the football a lot. Their other guy, Algier, or whatever, however you pronounce his name, I think ran for like here. 95 yards um, on top of Cordell Patterson's two touchdowns. So they, they did have a fair amount of rushing yards, um, but I think the Chargers came back, won that one at the end. Um, other than the Green Bay game, it was pretty standard for teams that – we're supposed to win to win. And I want to say one thing before we move on to the next topic. Shout out Jeff Wilson Jr. I kept that guy on my bench in fantasy when, you know, when he was in the in the talks of being traded. And he came in, played for the Dolphins today, and he was projected to score four fantasy points, scored 16, and played played his ass off. The guy, guy's like a, guy's like a spark plug out there. I think he's going to be a great addition uh, looked, to the Dolphins. He looked good. And something to consider yeah. something to consider is that he played with McDaniels last year right. in San Francisco. So that's why it was so easy for him to come over and fit right into the offense, which wasn't didn't take into consideration. wasn't a huge transition for him. It was just, it's the same offense. So he was able to you know go in there and make some plays, make some important plays, call a TD pass. Um, he looked good. He looked, he looked quick, too. He's, he's, a fast, yeah. he's a fast running back. Quick. Most of him are going to be a good combo for sure. Definitely a good combo. All right, what do we got next? Yeah, we'll jump over and do the tech part, um, which is going to be, like Ray said earlier, tech layoffs, huge right now. Um, just a little unpack of what's going on at Twitter in Elon's first week, week in a few days. Um, and then to end it, talking about one of the biggest shockers, Meta, Facebook, formerly known as Facebook, is the actual worst performing stock in the S&P 500 this year. Um so from a tech layoff standpoint, um, tech companies are by far the most overstaffed when it comes to 
just any of the sectors. And that's due to the fact that they can produce so much more cash than the majority of other businesses. So they're able to hire a lot more. Um, but here are some concerning numbers from a layoff standpoint at companies that I'm sure you will find familiar. Twitter, obviously, number one, they're doing around 50% layoffs. It's going to be close to 4,000. I think it's going to be like 3,700 people laid off. And I'll unpack that a little bit in the Twitter discussion. Stripe, which a lot of people in the tech world and in venture capital, Stripe is like a unicorn. That's like one of the best or the best software company that's not public at the moment from a private standpoint. They laid off 1,050 employees. They don't have the percentage of workforce for that one. Lyft laid off 760 employees. Shippo laid off 20% of their workforce. Um, Chime laid off 156 people, 12% of their workforce. Open Door laid off 550 people. That's 18% of their total workforce. Brightline, um, they laid off 20% of their workforce. And then Upstart laid off 7% of their workforce. And that is all since November 1st. This is not like, oh, they've been laying these people off for months. Like, this is in the five last days. five days. So, bad times are definitely here. These companies are starting to realize that they just can't continue to operate with these headcounts that they were before because they're just simply not as profitable as they were before because most of these companies were living the good life when rates were at zero, raising a ton of money, bringing on a ton of talent. And that is starting to stop. Facebook Meta has announced that they are going to do significant layoffs starting Monday. Google has announced that they are freezing hiring. Apple has announced they are freezing hiring on everything but R&D positions, so engineers. Um, Amazon has completely frozen AWS hiring and hiring across the majority of their back office um, positions. So these are the biggest companies in the world putting a pause on hiring. I think that's something that everybody should be paying attention to. These are the, usually the last dominoes to fall. Companies have been getting demolished all year long, but when you see the big guys at the top starting to take action, that's typically when you should start paying attention, especially if you're an investor. Um, and another thing to consider when it comes to this is some of these tech companies are absurdly overstaffed, especially Google, Meta, Apple, and Amazon. And that's just because they all have their cash cows and they're able to generate tons of revenue. I think Google had 49 billion in total revenue in quarter three, and they spent 6 billion to make that, which is amazing. But Google hired 36,000 new employees in the last 12 months bringing their total employee count to, I think, around 147,000 people. And sadly, Google's doing this with a little bit of malicious intent. They're just using the fact that they have so much money to poach talent and not allow talent to go to their competitors. So instead of having to deal with that, they just hire them and have them do little jobs and things like that. So they're not utilizing their full potential. And as bad as it is that you're seeing all of these layoffs, something to consider is that it's healthy to see these tech companies, these major tech companies trim 
their workforce because these people are really good employees because it's just because there's 147,000 people at Google doesn't mean it's easy to get a job at Google. You have to be qualified. You have to be a upper level type of individual to work at some of these major companies. And these employees will trickle down into mid and small tech companies and startups. And I think that'll be really healthy for the industry itself because not only will it allow smaller companies to bring on talent when it's hard, because if you're a small startup and you're trying to grab engineers and Google's paying 280,000 for an entry-level engineer, Facebook's paying 280,000 for entry-level engineers and they're just constantly hiring, for a startup, it's not feasible to grab somebody at that. And now you're getting access to some of these employees because they're getting let go from Google, Amazon, Twitter, and things like that. So as sad as it is, there's it's inevitable and it was going to happen. So I think it's going to be healthy that these people are going to funnel down into other companies that will use them to their full potential and allow these companies. Because at the end of the day, the more companies we have succeeding and producing revenue and money, the more jobs that are going to come out of them in the long term. And we'll start to see new innovations in different areas. So I think that's something to consider when you're looking at all of these layoffs and stuff like that. This is not like your traditional layoff at a job where you're not very tangible, like a job that anybody could do. These positions are high level positions. These people are getting laid off just off the fact that these companies are extremely over staffed and they know that they can produce revenue without that headcount. And something that's going to be interesting is how it works for Elon at Twitter. If he can really shave 50% of the workforce and they don't see a hiccup in growth and revenue, it's going to be a big eye opener to all these tech companies to maybe we don't need these aggressive headcounts to still continue to produce this gross amount of revenue. And maybe they could allocate that headcount to more R&D or more innovative things like that. Um, so before I jump to the next one, I want to let you guys kind of jump in and give your two cents on that. I'll go ahead. Um, you know, in my opinion, with all these with all these layouts happening, like you said, it is a sign. It's a sign of bad times ahead of decreased revenue. And I think especially with public companies that are public to, you know, to people in the stock market to buy and to become shareholders in the bread and butter of those companies um, from a, from a like investor standpoint is the quarterly reports. Okay. They report their earnings every quarter, four times a year. And I think they have these models, right? Historical models or, or, you know, um, risk analysis models, predictive models, that are telling them that there's just going to be a slowdown in revenue and therefore they need to cut back on their, which most corporations, their biggest expense are their employees mm -hmm. and most companies in general. So yep. they need to cut back on their biggest expense because their revenues are going to decline. And I think that's what's happening. And I think that they're foreseeing more uh, economic pain or economic hurt. Uh, in the near future. And so that's why, you know, all of a sudden this is happening. And on the flip side, um, I could tell you a little about the cigar industry. I know there's several, several of the biggest cigar companies that are um, corporate, actually, corporate cigar companies. They are raising prices um, uh, as much as nine to 15 percent across the board. And so when you see things like that, it means that there's there's uh, there's murky waters ahead. 
and they're 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 planning for something and they're bracing for something. So um, it's not a, it's definitely not a good sign. And uh, you know, well, and like you said, these people that are you know working for these big tech companies, I do believe that many of them are have the the credentials and the experience to get a job in a smaller company. Um, I do think there's always those stragglers that, you know, may have, may have find a, you know, have a tough time finding somewhere to go. Um, but you know, there's a lot of tech startups and a lot of new tech companies out there. So, you know, when one door closes, you know, typically when you have a, uh, a capitalistic society like America, another door opens. So, um, you know, but it's it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens to the economy based on these actions that the that the the companies that kind of run a huge part of our economy are taking. Exactly, Ray. Uh, when I think about what you just said on this, I so in in law school we're, we're preached a lot about public policy in the sense that a lot of judicial opinions are issued on public policy grounds. Public policy being, you know. It means exactly what it what it sounds like, right? It's it's societal good. Like what? Like how will this decision affect society? How will it affect you know people around you? Um, and what would the public dictate? Like what would public policy dictate towards this decision? Um, and to me, I think it's easy to to see this on public policy grounds, in the sense that uh, it's good for people to be employed, right? Like people like you want the general population to be employed you don't want you don't want to have excessively high unemployment rates but then again there's a weighing of factors right there's mm-hmm. a weighing of public policy interests you're weighing employment unemployment to develop further development in the country so or further development in, in any space really like so if you're if you're weighing unemployment employment you need to take into consideration that by Google hiring these insane amounts of people, right? When they probably don't have to, which is a good thing, right? Like here's, here's this interest. It's, it's being weighed against this interest. This interest is we don't want people to be unemployed. We want people to have, you know, a stable income. We want people to be able to contribute their taxes. We want people to be able to put money back into the economy. The other interest is development in the country. And I just mm-hmm. don't see how I, I, like, I know how important development in this country is, but I don't know how much it would outweigh employment, unemployment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I just want to say something a lot, all like when it comes to the unemployment, this is it only focused on the tech sector because that's the most relevant right now. And that's where you're seeing the most layoffs and the unemployment sadly is inevitable at this point because that's kind of what happens when you do go into an economic recession. So I'm trying to do my best to spin a positive view on it and hope that with these companies cutting the unnecessary fat off themselves, it will lead to these people not only going to other places that could utilize them, but hopefully allowing people to innovate and create companies on their own because they are high level people, which will be beneficial in the long term. But right, which is what I mean by development yeah. in that sense. So you're weighing you're weighing two really important, you know, public policy interests and you know, like I want people to be employed. I want people to have 
everything that they need, everything that they want, when people contribute back to the economy. But I also want new things. I also, yeah. <laughs> I also want cool things to come out. Um, and I think I don't know. It's it's, it's definitely an interesting topic. It's, it's tough. It's it's, it's, it's you never want to yeah. see people not having a job. But well, something also to consider before you jump in, Nick, just on something that Nick touched on, is how much Wall Street weighs these quarterly meetings, these quarterly earnings calls on when it comes to revenue being the highlight of every call. And the only way to keep revenue where it's at or grow revenue when the markets aren't allowing you to because the demand isn't there is to reduce headcount. Because like he said, employees are your most costly asset at the company. And Sadly, these tech companies, like Nick said, run the show. They are our highest earning companies in the world, and they are the top of the S&P 500 and all of these indexes. And something to think about is a lot of people's 401ks, retirement funds, they're tied into these FANG stocks, these Facebooks, these Amazons, these Googles, and these companies are down 40, 50, 60, 70%. So... If the move is sad that they need to cut workforce to meet what Wall Street wants to hear, yes, it's not great for the people that are losing their job, and we hope that they're going to find other jobs and make the best of their situations. But we need to see these companies bounce back and start to regain where they were because that's what's healthy for people's retirement accounts and things like that because that is a massive bulk of the majority of people's income their 401k, their Roths, their um, their retirement accounts, like all of that stuff is tied in these major names. So seeing a company like Facebook down from 300 to $88, a lot of people's retirement money was locked into Facebook years ago and it was the juggernaut and awesome and amazing. So like people are bleeding when it comes to their accounts that planned on helping them stop working and things like that, which is healthy because you need the constant flow of new employees coming into the market. And now these people might not be able to retire at 60 like they planned on without seeing these companies start to bounce back in the near term. So with everything going on, these cuts have to be made at these companies. They have to generate more revenue. Wall Street's not interested. We're switching from growth to, um, we're switching from growth stocks to value stocks. They don't care about how much you're growing anymore. They want to see revenue. They want to see positive cash flow. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So these companies have their hands tied because most of these major companies pay their employees on stock. Google, Apple, Facebook, the majority of their high-level employees are paid on massive stock incentives. If the stock is not performing well, those incentives aren't worth what they were when they were paid out. These people are being underpaid, upset, things like that. So they're almost have their hands tied by Wall Street at the moment. And I know Nick wanted to say something on that. The well, only thing I want to add is that the downside to capitalism working in the long term, you know, having long term stability in capitalism is short term periods of severe instability. So if we look back in COVID when, you know, uh, people were getting the stimulus checks and, and it was like, you know, people had more money than they ever had and they were, it was like a free for all kind of. Yeah. Prices, at least, you know, I know in Miami, 
prices for cars, for homes went up as much as 40%. And that's not sustainable. So that, that right there is instability. The fact that it went up that much in, in I don't know, within a year. And yeah, now, was, maybe even less than that. Yeah, maybe even less. And, and boats as well. Boats, that was ridiculous. And, um, and now it's going to be reversed. And things are going to start going down, you know, severely. People are going to get laid off. People are going to have less money. People are going to have hard times. And, you know, it seems like history repeats itself because all these times of, of economic downturns where there's a recession or a depression, people suffer, people struggle. And then that once that period's over, once that bear market, once that, down t that downturn is over, there's always an uptick that happens again. And, you know, one of the crazy things that happened uh, during the Great Depression a lot of people lost pretty much everything they own asset-wise in, in the stock market. And sadly, many people ended up taking their own lives as a result of that. But if they, you know, if they hung in there and waited eight years, they would have been like several multiples richer than they, than they ever were. And that just seems to be the weird way that uh, a capitalistic economy works where you go through a wave of bad and then you come back with a wave of good so you know could we be going into the wave of bad it's possible we're definitely knocking at the doorstep um just to keep us on track here jump into the last thing on the tech talk is meta being the worst performing stock in the s p 500 which is insane this is a company that two, three years ago, everybody was like, this is the guy, Mark Zuckerberg's the guy, this company's going crazy places. Meta is down 73.1% year to date, down $247.75, closing on Friday at $90.79 a share. This is absolutely astonishing that a company like this is just getting clobbered. And it's interesting because it's, it's because of actual things that the management team is doing. Like it's little, we're watching a CEO have too much power and make uninformed decisions. And it could be amazing. And what I mean by that, what I'm speaking about on that is their bet on VR, their bet on this virtual reality. Mark Zuckerberg is burning $10 billion a quarter on this virtual reality bet. When the numbers are not adding up, people aren't buying VRs like they were during COVID. Everybody that bought their VR, the original Oculus, I think the average use was two months and then it collected dust. And I own the Oculus and I love that thing. And everybody loves it. The first time you put it on, it's an extremely special experience. Super cool. You can see that the technology is revolutionizing and that it's something that's going to be interesting but I don't touch it anymore. And everybody I know that hasn't tried it is the same thing. Oh my God, it was amazing. It was so cool. Like it was insane, but I don't use it anymore. Like it, it, it just kind of fizzled off. So one of the major um, venture capital funds that owns a lot of Facebook, Altimeter Capital, they wrote an open letter to Mark Zuckerberg pre-earnings asking, for them to put a cap on spending on this virtual reality, cut part of their workforce, and focus more on their ads business, which was their cash cow, which hearing from a lot of podcasts and things like that, 
a lot of founders because Facebook ads were the were the thing until they got really crippled by Apple not allowing you to anonymously track people's phones. Um, now they give you the choice to say do not track when you open apps and things like that, and that really crippled Facebook. And that was their bread and butter. That ad business was what was driving billions of dollars of revenue, and people are saying day in and day out that every other day getting worse and worse and the results they're getting on their Facebook ads is getting worse and worse. And that is a huge red flag for Facebook. Their number one generator of revenue is consistently declining as a quality product. And Mark Zuckerberg and the team at Facebook don't seem to care at all. They're going all in on this VR gamble and it might work it might be amazing, but I think that they're being a little too aggressive and clearly Wall Street agrees that they're being a little too aggressive and not focusing on the ins and outs. And we're seeing a CEO who has a lot of power, literally doing whatever he wants, not listening to shareholders, not taking meetings, having that super share power where he, his shares are 20 to one versus a board member and stuff like that. And the stock and Wall Street are giving up on it. People are pulling their positions. People are liquidating their Facebook positions, not trusting this management team to continue to produce the quality product that it's been producing over the last 10, 15 years. So it's gonna be interesting because like I said, when about the tech lab, a lot of people's pension funds and things like that were tied in the Facebook stock. This stock five years ago, three years ago was godsend. There's nothing wrong with it. The company is squeaky clean. They're moving at an absolute nuclear projection up every year. They continue to grow, continue to drive revenue. And now all of a sudden they're like the black sheep. Nobody likes it. Everybody's upset with it. And it's, and it's crazy because it's so clear. Like we're seeing a lot of the reasons why people aren't liking it. And it's because of the aggressive spend on this VR with no proven long-term success. It's kind of a bet. And I'm not saying that Facebook's going to zero or that this company won't be amazing in the long term. I own Facebook and I'm going to continue to own Facebook. But it's interesting to see how a management team at that high of a level could really upset that many people and the stock could be crushed undeservingly compared to its competitors that are of that size who are also reporting not great numbers. But you're not seeing Google, Amazon, like you're not seeing these companies down almost 80%. You're, this is like this is like a, a a different type of clobbered week in and out. And after after their earnings call for the third quarter earnings, nobody liked what Mark Zuckerberg had to say. And you saw the stock drop almost thirty percent after hours after the earnings call. So, yeah, I don't know if anybody wants to chime in on that before we jump over. I think part of that is 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 the timing. Um, yeah, if you definitely. didn't. Yeah, if you didn't get into tech stocks during COVID, you missed a huge, you know, a huge wave of just influx of money going into, the, into those stocks where you could have made, and some tech companies, you probably could have made several hundred percent, uh, you know, gains. You could have made three, four hundred percent gains. And uh, now that we're moving into value stocks, um, you know, tech stocks, growth stocks that are, that have a higher valuation are not in favor. Um, you know, one of the biggest companies ever created, Disney, 
that's another example. It's not really a tech stock, but it's they do play they, now they, with their Disney Plus and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have they have that ESPN. aspect. Yeah. So those those type of high higher valuation stocks are just it's not their time. It's not their time. So people are staying away from it. People are pulling out of it. And um, and by people, I mean big money. I don't mean you and me. I mean big money. Uh, so I think I think that, you know this wave has to be rode out. And then their time will come again. That's that's my take on it. I think Facebook will be back. And if you're watching, let us know what you think about Facebook. Like if you're paying attention to their earnings and what what do you think? Do you think their bet on VR is going to be successful? Because if it is, they're way ahead in the space and they're monopolizing the area by continuously buying smaller VR companies like Oculus and things like that and trying to lead the space. But is it going to be like the right bet? I was I was gonna say that I think that it is gonna be the right bet. They're gonna make a bounce back for sure, and it's it's gonna pay off for them. I mean, they like you said, they're light years ahead in, in the VR space, and I do think that VR is gonna open up several opportunities, not just uh, you know for entertainment purposes, for for employment purposes. You know what I mean? I think that there's gonna be a whole realm of of VR employees or, you know, sectors yep. of, of corporations that are going to be having employees working on VR full time. So I think that they're like years ahead in that it's, it's going to, it's going to pay off, even though it seems like it's, it's not going to offer them. I do think the educational and work use case for VR is the way to go right now. It's the most practical and makes the most sense. And like something that I heard that somebody told me that I was like, wow, like I could see that being awesome is like, Let's say I am a CIO of a company and I'm traveling and I've got to be working. So I get the Wi-Fi and I've got my computer. But if I had my Oculus VR, what if I could just pop that on? I'm sitting in the, air, I'm sitting in the airplane on the Wi-Fi, but I have my three monitors set up like I'm at home. I've got my keyboard on the thing. I'm working multiple monitors I'm in my ideal work environment anywhere that I want to be where it really wasn't like that when it came to leaving your home office or like your home setup. Um, so that I just think the I don't want to go too much further on this so we could switch over to Nick's topics, but I do think the educational business work type of use case is the way to go that we aren't going to see the gaming aspect of it catch fire as soon as we'll see the working and educational versions of this product being used. So let Nick take it away. He's going to talk to us about one of his favorite people um, and what's going on with her. So continuing with the topic on, you know, capitalism and, and, you know, we talked about people being laid off and, people who still are keeping their jobs and, and quarterly reports and pretty much all this trickles down to the, the dollar. That's that it's the dollar. That's what it is. And in this country, from what I've seen, it seems like some people have an easier time making that dollar than others. And, you know, most regular, we'll call them regular, every people who work every day for their money. Um, it's not, it's not easy to amass a large amount of money. Okay. So, but for some people, and I'm going to talk about one in particular, it seems like it's a lot easier than everybody else. Okay. So the person I'm talking about is Nancy Pelosi. Okay. 
And for this case, I'm going to pull up for you guys your yearly salary. Okay? Your yearly salary is $210,000. Okay? And let me look it up right now so I have the exact number. Okay, yep, $210,000. She's the Speaker of the House. That's what she makes. Now, her net worth, pull it up right here. Her net worth, according to the Google machine, is $135 million. $135 million. Now, for those of you saying, Nick, why didn't you think about this? I could clearly see it in her. She's a vampire. Well, <laughs> let's do the math. Let's say she is a vampire and she's 500 years old. Okay? And let's assume that going back 500 years, she still got paid $210,000 a year. So we do 210000 210000 times 500. That's $105 million. Still doesn't add up to her net worth. She's worth $135 million. And, you know, the thing is, there's no guessing behind why she's worth this much. We know exactly why she's worth this much. She pretty much is allowed, as Speaker of the House, to insider trade. Now, people have been thrown in jail for years for insider trading. What insider trading is, is you get big news, big information on a company before the news breaks to the public. And let's say it's going to be good news. Okay, what would you do? You would buy a lot of money into a stock because it's about to go up because there's some really good beneficial news coming towards that company. And as a result, you make a lot of money and vice versa. If it's bad news, you sell or you short the stock or whatever. So Nancy has done this time and time again and is consistently absolutely crushing the S&P 500, which is the standard in the stock market and has amassed $135 million. So I ask you guys, with a salary of $210,000 being worth $135 million, do you guys think politicians all across the board, politicians in the United States, do you think they have too much power? And do you think there's too much that goes on behind closed doors that pretty much makes them, uh, pretty much just gives them a cheat code and allows them to beat the system and not have to work hard at all to make their money and can pretty much just put their feet up and be worth, millions at the end of the day with doing nothing and i know ray wants to jump in so really quick before that um do you and also a question that do you think they should be able to trade stocks actively trade stocks when they're involved in a lot of the policies that affect these companies and they're involved in knowing what's happening like you said behind closed door and right before ray goes something another thing that's kind of crazy a democratic senator um tom carper who just recently came out and said the economy is headed in the right direction under Biden and he feels really good, placed a $110,000 position on a fund that actively shorts the U.S. stock market. And for those of you who don't know, that means he is betting on the U.S. economy to continue to go down further after publicly announcing that he thinks that market is, the economy is headed in the right direction. I think that's kind of wrong. I personally don't think they should have the ability to trade stocks and stuff like that because they're involved in a lot of things that affect these companies and affect their earnings and affect their revenues and stuff like that. But I want you guys to drop some comments and things like that and let us know what you think. And Ray, I will let you have the floor. So 
It's not to correct you, Nick, but in 2014, Obama signed into law the Stock Act, which prohibited the use of non-public information for private profit, including inside and trading by members of Congress and other government employees. So it's not that they're allowed to do it. It's just that they are doing it, right? Like if they- Yeah, but their their spouse or significant other is not does not fall under this. So like Nancy Pelosi- telling her husband, Paul Pelosi, that they're about to enact that massive chip bill that she had to sign off and Bill Pelosi buying $300,000 worth of NVIDIA calls. That's the issue. But, but Ray, yes, yes, that was, that was enacted into law, as, as you just said, which I actually, I didn't know that, but it's good to know that. Um, they still do it. And it's, you could trace it back time and time again to stocks that, you know, specifically because uh, Nancy Pelosi is the one that's put on the on the you know on the on the highlight on the highlight reel of of um, people in politics who do insider trading and make a killing. So you could see that several times she bought into a company like just like perfect timing, right before some great news was going to break, and made a killing off of it, and also. She can, she pretty much is in, has so much power that she can make a decision whether a company should have X law passed or not passed, you know, that would essentially make the company grow or make the company shrink in a way. And so she has, she has this power in her hand and she's there in the meetings before anything breaks, before any news breaks. And so she knows. So even though it's it's not allowed it still happens behind closed doors and you know you're you're studying law and everyone is innocent until proven guilty and with people that are kind of elite you know considered the elite members of society that have all this money and power and 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 protection they're they're innocent and and proven innocent and really never proven guilty. It seems. What do you What do you think about that, Ray? Um, I'm sorry. I'm reading this Wikipedia page on Stock Act. I think it's interesting that the Stock Act stands for Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge. Um, but what you were saying, I um, I don't know, man. It's Yes, right. There was a law. There was a law enacted that was supposed to prevent this type of stuff from happening. Um, but how can you extend that same law to apply to spouses? I don't think you can. I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think that's possible. Um, and like you said, you are in a sense proven guilty. But if they do get prosecuted, it's proved beyond a reasonable doubt that they did commit this kind of crime. And that's a really high standard for the for the state to meet, for the prosecution to meet. In this this case would be the federal government. So that's a really high standard for the federal government to meet. And I'm not confident that they would be able to meet that, that threshold um, in prosecuting someone like Nancy Pelosi, uh, that she was in fact uh, insider trading, even though it may be clear that she is, um, you know, it's, it's a combination of protections that we afford everyone in this country and, things that we don't expect our high officials to do. It's, it's, I mean, I think, Dude, I think that, do you know, you know what happened? You know what happened? If you told me, Hey, my, my dad has this great job. My dad makes $210,000 a year. I would say, Oh man, that's great. That's fantastic. And you say, yeah, but you know, 
my dad's worth 135 million. You know what I tell you? I tell you, bro, your dad is a cartel leader and sells (laughs) sells kilos a day. Okay. That's the only logical explanation, but we kind of turn a blind eye because, Oh, they're, you know, it's our politicians. It's our politicians. They, you know, they're no, I mean, I, I certainly, I certainly don't think that politicians are different than any other people, right? Like they just representing what we want our needs. They're not, they're not different than us in any sense other than the fact that they have the authority to enact, enact, legislation and, and write legislation and be like on behalf of our wishes. Like there's no special privilege that should be afforded to them in, in that sense. They're regular everyday people. They need to work for the dollar the same way that we do. Um, but inherent in that job is knowing things that we're not going to know. So you go home and you tell your spouse something that everyone else isn't going to know. You know, it's, it's, are you not going to take advantage of that? Like, is your spouse not going to go and, and call the call a man, the, the the big man to put in to put in those buys. Absolutely not, bro. Like, right, we're of in a capital and, society. And yeah, they're and not going to do it. Right, and it's obvious that they do take advantage of their positions, and they do do it. And that's not that's not like that's not really. I don't even think that's up for debate. Like it's 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 pretty clear. Like the numbers don't add up. It's pretty clear. Um, and I think that that leads to more questions on, you know, should the terms be limited? I think absolutely their terms should be w- way more limited than, than, you know, I mean, they're, they're not really limited now. Yeah, I feel so like they should be severely limited. I feel like that's a whole the different thing that we can unpack in, in another episode, like that goes just go a little deeper on that. Cause I do think it's something extremely relevant and it's not something that's going to change in the near future. Um, but while I let Nick cook up his hot take to end us, I did skip over the Twitter um, conversation. So I'm just going to give... call you out. I was going to call you out, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't want to embarrass you, though. It's all right. I'm going to do a quick roundup while I let Nick cook up his hot take. Um, Twitter, Elon's own Twitter now for just a little over a week. Um, he's been getting a lot of backlash and people, a lot of major companies are pulling their advertising budgets on Twitter, which is kind of crazy because he hasn't even had enough time to change anything. And their content moderation is actually exactly the same as it was three weeks ago, um, just because they just got there. And another thing that a lot of people talked about was the media companies ran with this story that there was a 500% increase in hate speech and things like that. And the head developer of content moderation at Twitter actually tweeted all of the data and the proof that it was a massive army of bots that were deployed and all of the tweets were not under people's messages or under people's tweets. It was just accounts tweeting to zero followers. Um, all of these hateful things and it was shut down in I think less than an hour and 45 minutes. And it was proven that it was all bot accounts, but of course the media ran with it. And to jump from that, a hilarious story is those two guys that completely pranked the media by pretending to be laid off Twitter engineers. The way that our media works is they're so aggressively looking for that story and they've completely ripped out fact, fact checking. So all of these major media outlets sent a group of people to try and get a story live on the scene. And these two hilarious guys decided they were going to dress up to look like engineers. And the media interviewed them. They had their last names be Ligma and Johnson, 
which of course, Ligma Johnson. Think about it, Lick My Johnson, hilarious. Um, and they didn't fact check it at all. And the guy actually ended the interview by saying, sorry, I need to go see my husband and wife and walked away. And all of these major media outlets ran the story. It was everywhere. Twitter engineers laid off outside of company and it was so not true, but it fit the narrative that they needed, which was Elon Musk is laying off a bunch of Twitter employees. We need stories and we need to see the turmoil and the sadness. So we need people on scene to go get it. And they did. And look what happened. Ligma Johnson, two guys pranked all of these major media companies. And that was hilarious. And I think that we should, what? This semester, I'm taking a class, Corporate Governance, and we've discussed Elon pretty pretty in-depth this semester. Um, and Elon's whole rationale behind, you know, letting go of all these employees is just how Twitter's profits have been, like, just grossly low compared to other, other social media companies, like Facebook, and so, like, they've just been, they've been, like, on, they've been a lot lower than what they should be, and, it, and it's due in part to their employee base, right? But... You know, firing half of your workforce in order to raise profits can be prevented. And it's going it, to, I mean, he's going to do this anyways, but he's going to test out subscription model theory, like subscription models for Twitter. And I feel like had he just implemented that, he could have saved a lot of people their jobs. Um, again, yeah, with public it, policy, I, I think it's important to, for people to be employed and to keep their jobs. I mean, I, I, I can't see... Yes, while the profits were low, if you were going to institute a subscription to, like model already, that would have probably made up for how many employees you were employing. I mean, I, I yeah, can't see rational. But I just want to say it's it's not really that simple. Like, it's not just we need to get our profits up. I think it had to do a lot with the management prior neglecting their duty to run the company the way it should have been run, and they overstaffed the company when it wasn't necessary. And it's in Elon's best interest as the person that just put down the $44 billion to take the company private, gut it, restart it, make it the profitable company he plans on being, and then continue to restaff the company well, yeah, obviously, as he obvi needs. Obviously, as the new owner of the company, you can make whatever decision you want. You know, he's, yeah, he's, but a sole, he's a sole director on the board of directors right now, which is is a terrible move. That's not a good move at all. Yeah, but he, but he, but he doesn't know, but he doesn't have super share voting. He doesn't, he's one of the CEOs. And I, if you don't know what super shares are, it's something, if you're listening and don't know what super shares are, it's something that's very relevant in Silicon Valley. Founders get super share voting where if I'm the owner, like let's say I'm the CEO of Snapchat and raise my CIO and I have super shares he has 100,000 shares, which means he has 100,000 votes. I might have 100,000 shares too, but my super votes is one to 20. So I have 20 times the votes that Ray does, giving founders the ability to not have to listen to people where Elon actually is one of the CEOs that doesn't allow super shares and gives his board of directors at Tesla, SpaceX, all these other companies, and will be the same at Twitter. It's just really early and they're building the team out um the ability to vote him out if he's not doing a good job and i think his intention isn't to 
just cripple Twitter for no reason. I think it's something that needed to happen to get it to where he wants it to be, which we don't know what his exact goal is, and that's not for us to decide. He's the one running the company, putting the money up. But I do think his long-term intention is to have Twitter become the platform that it could be and be a Facebook or a Apple with 50, 60,000 employees, not the 90, 100 that they had before. So yes, it looks bad now cutting the workforce, but to bootstrap it and do what he wants to do, he's going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And if sadly it is laying people off, I don't think that the fingers should be 100% pointed at him. And I think that they should look at what the other management team did before that to even get them to the place well, that we're okay, at right well, now. Look, well, well, look, you don't, like, even if it was prior management's fault, you don't have to fire the people because of prior management. You could form those people as whatever you want them to form. You can make them sign new contracts. You have yeah, but if they're useless, if they're useless, they're not useless. Yes, they are. The company can operate, the company can operate without them and still be profitable and be the company that it is so, right now. So they're so so they were walking into the office of Twitter and doing nothing for seven for five days a week. They were doing not something. that they weren't doing anything. They were they can overhaul that to other people with the workforce cut down and still generate the same amount of revenue. And that's essentially what matters to the investors my, and my, things my, like my that that point, put the money my down. Point, my, my whole point is here, here's the thing with, with Elon Musk, okay? He's an incredibly intelligent and efficient person. And I think he probably has the same attitude with, with all of his business ventures that he does. Obviously, they're all very different. I know I watched his uh, documentary on Netflix about SpaceX. He got SpaceX off the ground with less than 1,000 people. And I want to say it was even like less than 300 people. He got SpaceX off the ground and he was able to build a freaking spaceship and send that thing to space with less than a thousand people. And, you know, Twitter had 7,500 employees and now 9,100. Oh, okay. 9,100. I'll look that up. So, Keep talking. Around, right around there. And now he's bringing it down to a little over 3,000 employees. 3,500, I believe. 3,500. So 7,500 I mean, is the correct number of employees that Twitter was operating with. So, you know, if you could build a rocket and send it to space with X amount of employees, I don't think you need, you know, it kind of, I'm not, I'm not, it's not I'm apples saying, to apples. I know it's there's, yeah, there, there's inherent, there's inherent differences between those two, between those two things. But I, I'm not saying that he's not within his right to fire those people and start over. Like get, he's, he bought the company, he do whatever he wants. I'm saying that those are people that have livelihoods, that have jobs, that have families that need a job to support their families and let him letting them go without being able to prove himself, without even being able to show stock in their ability to help provide for the company within, within a week of, of buying the, the company, I don't think that's the right move. Yeah, I think look, if, if, if you're going to implement a subscription model that is going to charge people on Twitter X amount of money a month to use the app, then you're going to make up for that cost anyways. If you're going yeah, to make up for the cost of employment anyways. We don't have time to really dive too deep. So I don't want to go like to like continue on the topic, but there's going to be both sides of the story. Not saying that Ray's wrong. Not saying that we're that Nick and I are right when it comes to this. Obviously, it's sad. You don't want people to lose their jobs. But when it comes to business at an extremely high level, 
and Wall Street is the one calling the shots like they are, like the value of the company is what matters to the people putting up the money. The CEOs are going to run them as efficient as possible if that's what needs to happen. But that's this is going to be super relevant. The layoffs haven't started yet. Next week's episode, we will definitely talk about it again because that's when we're going to start to see the layoffs and the effects. So I don't want to keep going deeper on that. Um, Nick, we're coming here to the end of the episode. Take us away with your hot take. I have absolutely no idea what it could possibly be. And I could just see Ray on the other side salivating to give an answer. So everyone knows about Walt Disney, the man who created Disney World, and how when he died, he had his body frozen, right, to preserve himself because he had, I believe it was cancer, he had some type of illness that he wanted to freeze his body, to preserve his body, so that when later in time, when a cure was found, he would be cured and he can live on, okay? That's that, that's true. He he was frozen and there's a, there's a place that freezes people who can afford it. I don't know if that's true that he was actually frozen, though. I think it was just his head. I think it's a myth, actually. No, I think it is true. All right, keep going, keep going while I keep looking. So there's new, um, new science, new tech, new you know medical technology, if you want to call it, that has come out where there's a there's a sort of injection that is being produced where. There's, there's a, a after, after you after, after someone, someone dies, dies okay, okay there's, there's a period of time where your organs are still alive even though you're not I'm, breathing. I'm cutting you off Nick it's it's false that he was that he was frozen but continue with what you're saying it's false yeah I said it's false okay USA Today it says no, it's false but I don't know if they've officially proven that there's no body like I don't think they've looked but okay. that's what a hot takes okay. for keep going check 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 for me check for me that it's well, whether I mean, it's it, doesn't true or not. it doesn't matter whether or not he's he's frozen if what you're saying is still alive. No, no, it doesn't, it does, yeah, it, it doesn't need to be him, but check, check for me, see if they freeze people. people. See, that's the thing. You can be frozen after you die. Also, because if that looking thing that up? is a myth. Uh, Something funny. There's actually rumors on, there's people that are, because they say it's not true. People, there is like always groups of people that do believe his body's frozen. And I'm reading a USA Today article that says people think that his body will be thawed in December. And we're going to see the reveal of Walt Disney's body. Um, the first, so if that, the if that does happen, he's gonna be if on that the does happen, we'll be the first people to, we will be the first people to report that news if he is thawed in December. I promise. <laughs> the first, the first corpse to be frozen was that of James Bedford in 1967. As of 2014, okay. about 250 dead bodies have been cryopreserved in the United States and 1,500 people have made arrangements for cryopreservation of their corpses. Okay. Well, this is a myth, but they really do freeze people. That's, that's, that's the main, that's the main point here. So, so new science has come out. There's a sort of injection that has a similar kind of effect to freezing someone where it cools your body temperature to a certain degree to where uh, your organs don't, your organs can be preserved and don't die because temperature, you know, ends up killing your organs uh, faster in a way. So it's, it's, a, it's, a for, it's a way of preserving your body so that you don't die. And there's even word of, people being brought back to life because this injection can kind of like hold them off from dying uh, and bring them back to life. 
So it's it's very it's very sciencey and very technical and and I read into it, but it's too much to go into. But my hot take is: Do you guys believe, and do you viewers believe, that people have been brought back to life aside from the um, you know getting the the zap, the electric shock to 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 make their heart beat again? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I personally don't think that's the case because I feel like there's no way that wouldn't get out to the public if people were just being brought back from the dead, which would be nuts. But I do definitely think that in the next 30 to 40 years of our lives that we will see some pretty significant life longevity strides, and maybe we do start bringing people back to life. Uh, but I don't think that that's going to be, I don't, I don't think people are just coming back to life right now. Dude, that would, that would be like, like every medical journal, every scientific journal <laughs> will be writing about this. Like it would be like the craziest, Dude, but that's the like thing the about craziest science, revolutionary. That's the thing about science. It's weird. They will only start writing about it once it's fully proven. You know, it, yeah. it could be, it's, I think it's possible that it could be in the, you know, Test trials, whatever. They're, they're obviously, I'm sure it's been experimented with, or at least thought of that they want to bring people back and preserve them and bring them back and stuff. But I don't know. I think it's possible, and I think I think you know to say whether the whether freezing people in a cryo chamber and them being able to come back to life to say whether that works or not. You know, that's that's a that's a stretch because that just it seems out of a movie. Um, I, I suppose it could be possible, but this specific thing that I'm talking about is not for people who have been, you know, dead for a long time. It's for people who have been dead. There's, there's two different, and I, I should know, I should know this, uh, when I did my, my EMT training, there's two different types of death. There's, um, there's chemical death and I think there's clinical death. I think chemical death is like, you die, but you can still be brought back. Something or biological? No, death. it's uh, it's either a heart or respiratory death or a brain death. Like the brain just turns yeah. off completely, or your heart just completely, or your lungs completely stop. Well, well basically, basically, we know the people that their heart has stopped and they've been resuscitated from either CPR or from or from getting you know getting zapped. Okay, but there's the other side of it where people have been dead for a little bit longer and they get this, they get this injection where it cools their body temperature to preserve their organs so they can be resuscitated after hours or even days. Then that's, that's the question that I pose to you, whether you guys think that's possible or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if I'm believing it. Nah. It's definitely something interesting though. I'd like to do my own research and, and hear about it, but yeah, my answer to the hot I think, take I think, is I, no. I don't think that's a great idea. I don't think that's a great idea either. Just bringing back these these dead people or just zombies. When it's your, that are when it's your time, it's your time. Jeez, man. I'd rather. But, yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, all right. I, I'm not. I'm not informed enough on the topic to even to even yeah. rebuttal <laughs> any of that. My my. We were discussing who should do the hot take today, and Nick Nick said he would he would take it. My hot take was going to be that ketchup is the best condiment. I, <laughs> And then that's that's what we have that's what we have Nick here for to spice it up. Yeah, I don't know how far that would go in our conversation, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm calling no, Nick. I'm I'm saying no. I'm gonna say no as well. And with that, 
we are at time. Episode two is wrapping up. Since rated the intro, I will allow him to give us that beautiful outro, and we will see you guys next week. All right, guys. Episode two is a wrap. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like, drop a comment, let us know what you think about the uh, the pod here. Leave some questions. Leave some some, some you know answer, answer some of our questions that we asked. Uh, some you know we asked a couple of questions to this pod. If you're listening, answer them in, in the comments. If you're watching on Spotify, leave us a follow. Uh, follow us on Instagram uh, at threes a pod. Threes. Oh my goodness, I said it wrong. Threes a c r w d pod. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Threes a c r w D pod. Uh, we look forward to uh, talking next week, hearing from you guys next week, and uh, thanks so much for listening.